Hey, everybody, and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host, Jessica Dwyer, and with me through the hellish rain and her desire to be here was so great that she defied God. Yes. Is Barbrace. <laughs> it is I. God be damned. <laughs> so if you don't know right now, Florida is kind of having some weather. Um, so Barb is is by the by her sheer force of will is is fighting God and the elements to be with us tonight. The only thing that keeps my spirits up about the stupid hurricane is that it's named Michael. And so it's keeping the spirit of Halloween alive, even though the ship might kill me eventually, but hopefully not. Yeah, it, much like Myers, it, 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 I, I love the fact that they named it that. I, that's yeah. kind of, at the same time, very mean and yet brilliant. Exactly. So, it's fantastic. Well, everybody, welcome to Fangirl Radio. Uh, I'm really excited about this episode. I wanted to do something special um, for Halloween this year because everybody's schedules are nuts and my, my schedule's gone crazy, but I wanted to do something special. No, we can't do a Halloween special this year, but Boo. next year, next year, uh, thanks to our special guest tonight, I was inspired, so... I think we may have to just do that, which is the fangirls and friends get locked overnight in a haunted video movie store, video rental store, like a dilapidated dead blockbuster filled with demons. Um, I've got goosebumps already just thinking of that. There's so many things that we could do, and I know so many people that can do spot-on voice work, mm-hmm. not the least of which is our special guest, Mr. Mark Mir. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, and he'll be joining us uh, at the halfway point to dish about 80s horror, because why? I'm helping, cr- I'm a producer helping to create the definitive 80s horror movie documentary, In Search of Darkness. Yay. <laughs> and we blew away our Kickstarter. <laughs> and- Two days, kids. We blew it away. So thank you for donating or giving and taking part in that. Um, we're very excited. Um, and so it's going to be just fantastic. But we'll talk more about that later on the episode. We've got a ton to talk about this week. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, let's see. What should we start with? Let's start with some good news. And that is the trailer for Good Omens that Yay. was released at the New York Comic Con. Oh, my God. I don't think I've been. I actually teared up. It looked so good. Like, it really did. And yeah. um, just, God, it's porn and beautiful. And <laughs> there's so many good things in this. Not the least of which is David Tennant as a demon and Michael Sheehan as an angel. Uh, yeah, the demon. Uh-huh. I'm all about I'm all about that. Yeah. Um, is, my, my friend, Meiji, uh, actually went to New York Comic Con and lived through the tale and was there when that sh- that premiered and got awesome. to see the panel and everything. And she even somehow lived and got me a poster. Ooh, so she got yay. those posters, which I, I, I'm, I owe her a child at some point. <laughs> But uh, she said that that scene where he sits down and has his glasses off and you get to see the the eyes, the entire theater screamed. Yay, that's awesome. And yeah, but it looks so beautiful and it 
I mean, the thing that got me almost crying when I saw the trailer was that Terry Pratchett wanted this to happen so badly. And Neil Gaiman went above and beyond to make it mm-hmm. and to the point that he was the showrunner and did it the way that he wanted it to be. And you can see it and it looks so beautiful and so good. And uh, it's only going to be, I think, like six episodes because it's like, this is it. We're not making we're not stretching this out. There's no need to. This is the perfect amount. This is what we're going to do. So next year, Amazon Prime is how we're going to watch it. Yay. Very excited. I'm stupidly excited about that. <laughs> um, the thing that happened this weekend, there was a couple of premieres this weekend, the, one of which was Doctor Who. And I, um, I watched the uh, premiere of the 13th Doctor. And uh, the woman who fell to earth, pun pun to David Bowie. Um, And I'm going to tell my unpopular opinion because I've already gotten into it with some people online because everyone's so wanting this to work that they are defensive. If you do any kind of criticism to anything going on, they don't want to hear that. They want it to work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I watched the episode and Jodie Whittaker wasn't bad. She was uh, very hyper and very Matt Smithy, and a lot of people were saying, "Oh, look, she's a female David Tennant," which kind uh, of, which is sort of not the point. Yeah. It, um. So the the thing that I didn't like about the episode, but everyone seems to think I, I don't know. Maybe I didn't watch what they saw. I don't know. Right. But um, a lot of people were. They loved it. They thought it was great and all this stuff. And I'm watching it and I'm like ticking off the boxes of the Chris Chibnall story playbook as I'm watching it. Mm-hmm. And it had it had the, the sonic screwdriver being even more of a magic wand than it normally is, which is a, a trademark of Chibnall's. He has that thing be able to do all of it, you know, fix all the problems. It had the timer. um timer issue of a of a something like a bomb or something that's got a timer it's got a time limit and so of course it had that where they all had these bombs in their collarbones Mm -hmm. so there's that okay check marks uh and unnecessary plot things that make no sense oh yep there you go uh we'll 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 have this really neat character this older lady character who's one of the main uh you know the the uh, wife of the one of the new main companions because there's like five. <laughs> okay, <laughs> there's actually three companions this season in the in the TARDIS and um, so, and she's also also the grandmother of one of them and so for some reason she decides to try and electrocute this mass of coil things even though the bad guy's been defeated and um, kills herself in the process and it was the stupidest thing i've ever seen i'm like why did she do that what what was the point of this and Mm -hmm. everybody's like oh she was a cautionary tale i'm like no that was just a waste that was stupid why why did we do that (laughs) and no one wants to hear that Um, well i don't even watch doctor who duck and cover i'm not a big whovian but even listening to you say what what happened with this i'm just like okay it doesn't even sound like it makes any sense but 
Yeah, and and the thing with uh, with the the other thing that really stood out for me is like in the past episodes, like with David Tennant, with Matt Smith, um, even with Peter Capaldi. Matt, you know, we, we've had nods to previous doctors when ma- major events have occurred um, with Matt Smith and David Tennant. I believe it's been a long time since I watched it, um, like some of the Tennant stuff, but you saw. Oh, yeah, 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 you did. Previous doctors, you saw like clips and things like that. Mm-hmm. This had nothing. Okay. The, you know, the doctor's. She's regenerated and she's perky and forgetting things and doesn't remember who she is. Um, and uh, that that's typical. But there was like no nod to any of these right. incarnations. There's nothing for her to bounce off. They didn't show her bouncing off of a previous yeah. doctor or anything. Anything, any kind of playing off of the, the, the only previous thing doctor. Did, yeah, the only thing they did was like this little nod to Peter Capaldi where she has this pile of spoons because the doctor and his spoon that was a big thing and mm-hmm. and uses them to make this new sonic screwdriver which by the way she makes a sonic screwdriver smelting stuff together herself and somehow managing to utilize these crystals from this alien ship that she's not really familiar with okay so, okay <laughs> um and then there's the bad guy who <laughs> i died laughing he was so horrible. There was this whole back and forth with his name. But the thing that stood out for me was just how bad the special effects was. The um, the character um, wore his enemy's teeth in his face as uh, a <laughs> And they looked like zits. Ew. Just, it was a horrible looking thing. I don't know why. I don't get it. Um, but the thing that I away from it the good thing was Jodie Whittaker was actually okay as the doctor she just if they want this to succeed they have to do better with the writing although mm-hmm. apparently no one gives two shits about the writing anymore because no one had a problem with how bad this episode was in terms of just being a Doctor Who episode okay um, so yeah great um but the other thing that's going on right now, and a lot of people are noticing, is it's kind of turning into a cash grab mm-hmm. with the doctor being a woman now. Um, mm. There is a clothing line coming to Selfridges. Oh, my. Hired by her where they are like the prices start at 100 pounds and just go up. Um, they just released a Barbie doll. The oh. first Doctor Who Barbie doll, 50 bucks wow. a pop. Are you serious? Dead serious. And uh, so I uh, actually uh, tweeted back to the uh, Barbie Twitter because they're all like <laughs> excited about it. And I said, okay, when's the ne- when do we get the rest of the doctors? Yeah. Did they answer you? <laughs> they're just oh, like, no. Oh. No, they did not. Um, so, yeah, because it, yeah. So I, I'll keep watching just because I, I liked what I saw with Jodie Whittaker what could be if she had better writing but chip mm-hmm. chibnall and yeah he's pretty much doing exactly what i thought yeah. so yeah everybody's making a big deal about the ratings being higher this time around well yeah because they all wanted to see a woman doctor and what mm-hmm. they got was a woman doctor with the bad writing right um, but you can't apparently critique that so oh. Without getting jumped on. Oh, 
Yeah, that of course. I guess that's that's the norm nowadays. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. yeah. So there you go. Um, so there were a lot of trailer releases that happened, not just Good Omens, but there was uh, one that happened today that um, I was very interested in seeing, and which was the Pet Cemetery trailer. Bar. Yes. Yes. Go forth and fear no darkness, and tell me what you thought. Well. I think it looks amazing. I am a hundred percent down to see it. Um, I, my only complaint is that I'm not a big John Lithgow fan, and I kind of miss the I the the main accent when he speaks his lines. No, I didn't. But, yeah, I miss like the whole Ed Gwynn and everything. I'm just like, oh, but. Church looks awesome. I like this cat better than the cat in, in the original film. And I am waiting to see what they've done with uh, with Zelda. Because Zelda creeps me the fuck out in the first movie. I saw I saw the preview. I think I saw a glimpse of I, her. Like a tiny trailer. glimpse. I want to see like a full-fledged just like jumping out at me from the screen like hunched over and just all kinds of horrible because I'm like, I, I want to see how they make if they make her creepier than they did prior because she, I know it's a guy that plays the role, but that shit scared the living <laughs> hell out of me for the longest time. So I want to see if they can do that to me again. Yeah. And I, I really, I, I like the creepy kids and masks thing that they had yeah. going on in the trailer. I like I liked Church. I thought he looked great. He's and, awesome. And he's a, actually the cat in the book. That's what he was. Yes. And Not that little gray ball of fur. Yeah, that little gray ball of fur was cute. But uh, <laughs> Church looks like he's going to rip your face off. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm about it. I, yeah. I think it looks good. Um, I'm, I'm optimistic. Um, I, I know a lot of people that live, eat, sleep, and breathe that first film, and they were just absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't as big a fan as, of Pet Cemetery as a lot of people I know. It was good, but it was, I, I, maybe it's because I saw it fairly young, mm-hmm. and I didn't grasp all the like horrific aspects of it. Um, um, but I, uh, this looks really good. Yeah. I have to say. I'm excited for it. So I will. I will say that the scene that that freaked me out the most was when he cut his his tendon in his leg. That that yeah. No, no, I can't. No, thank you. (laughs) No, thank you. Um. So one thing that I have to bring up because Barb, I have to know if you saw this. Okay. Was the Christmas Chronicles trailer with Kurt Russell as Santa? I have not seen that. Oh my god! And now I feel like I've missed out on a big chunk of life because oh I my seen god, it. Santa is giving me feelings that Santa. Oh oh <laughs> yeah oh he's too pretty oh Santa my god Santa porn. Santa porn, Santa porn, Santa baby. <laughs> yeah, there was all kinds of uncouth comments coming out of me as I watched that trailer. There's, yeah. <laughs> Kurt, uh-huh. Russell, Kurt Russell makes me have feelings. Well, I'm going to have to look that one up for sure. 
Yeah, the joke I dropped too was, "Oh, that's what happened to McCready up in the <laughs> in the Arctic. He became Santa." Nice. Yeah, so a lot of people were making fame jokes, but I was like, "Oh yeah, that that makes sense." Um, one thing that I had to bring up, and I know Barb was wanting to talk about this too, and uh, is the the greatest fu I think I have ever. Mm. <laughs> Yes, you know what I'm talking about. I know about. what you're I know where you're going. It is the greatest F you I think I have ever seen. Mm-hmm. I think I think. I, uh, I it's gotta be it's up there if it's not the best. Oh my god, James Gunn. Hell yeah. <laughs> he just just flipped a double deuce up yours to Marvel and Disney in the best way. Uh, and we're all gonna benefit. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Fuck so, you, Disney. Yeah. So if you didn't hear the news, James Gunn is going to write and possibly direct this su- the sequel to Suicide Squad, Suicide mm-hmm. Squad 2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which if you can't think of it, I can't think of anybody better than, no. than him for that. Oh my God, just think He's what we perfect. could have had with the Joker if right. if he had gotten the first one. Um but yeah, so James Gunn, as we all know, was fired by stupid idiots from working on Guardians of Galaxy 3. Um, and so basically, he has gone across enemy lines over into the world of DC mm-hmm. and, uh-huh. and is in charge of the sequel to the movie that really tried to rip off Guardians of the Galaxy. Exactly. <laughs> Which is the the just this thing's meta all over. Um, <laughs> so he's going to DC and he's going to be writing the script for Suicide Squad. And there's also um, talk of him possibly directing it too, which would be fine by me. Hell yeah! And, and the other thing that's come out of this is Dave Bautista, mm-hmm. who is awesome and is day by day becoming one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, has basically said that he's ready to jump ship and to this. He's already said that previously with with James Gunn being fired, mm-hmm. but now even more so, he's like, "I'm ready. Bring me yep. over to Suicide Squad." So they could not only just you know lose one of the best directors they've had over in in Marvel Land, but they can lose their Drax and exactly. they might. Yep. So, Barb, what do you think of of this? How how loudly did you cackle? Oh, I cackled loudly. <laughs> I jumped, I clapped. I was like, there is a god and you can't keep a good man down. No matter how fucking hard Disney wants to try. Well, so, I, and props to to DC for being like picking them up we, and being like, "Hey, we'll take you." Yeah, Come on. we we don't give two shits. You know, help us, yeah. please. We really need help. Please help. Jason <laughs> exactly. Momoa can only carry so much. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Barb. <laughs> oh no, no. I, I'm I I'm with you. <laughs> no, he can only carry so much weight in that beautiful suit. And uh, so yeah. By the way, that was the other thing that came out of. Um, oh yeah. It was it was quite oh. pretty. Um, Momoa on his Instagram posted the picture of him in in the Aquaman suit, and he's like, "Who's gonna make fun of Aquaman now?" Bitch. <laughs> I'm just like, "Yeah, boy." 
<laughs> yeah, and he looks good in that suit too. Oh, you know, oh but, my God, uh, yes, he does. Um, so the other thing that came out this week that I wanted to talk about too um, was we got a little bit of a taste of Disney's first original Star Wars. Well, not first. Yeah, it is the first original live action Star Wars TV series, The Mandalorian, that is um, being directed, and I believe he may be the series, uh, the series showrunner as well, uh, by John Favreau. Oh, and okay. there, there's stuff. Um, my my slutty prince, uh, Pablo <laughs> Pas- Pablo Pascal, um, Pedro, or uh, actually, sorry, Pedro Pascal might, or Pablo Pascal might be a part of it. Werner Herzog might be a part of it. Taika Watiti can be a part of it. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard, Rick, F- I can never say this name, Rick Famuyiwa. Um, they're all directing. So Bryce Dallas Howard is going to be directing one of these episodes of the show. Oh, cool. And Tika Watiti is going to be directing one of these episodes of the show. Um, so, Werner Herzog. Werner oh. Herzog may be wondering. So, if you haven't heard about this, all that we've seen is one picture of a guy walking around in Mandalorian armor. That's it. That's all we've seen, really, unless they snuck some in somewhere at the, the con. But it said, um, here's the, the synopsis of the show is this. After the stories of Jango and Boba Fett, another warrior emerges in the Star Wars universe. The Mandalorian is set after the fall of the Empire and before the emergence of the First Order. We follow the travails of a lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy, far from the authority of the New Republic. Mm. So it's like a Western. I'm definitely curious to see. I am too. So, um, But you know what you're going to have to do if you want to watch it? Tell me. You're going to have to pay money. Oh. Because Disney Play is launching next year, and this is the only way you're going to be able to watch it. They want your money. They're going to get it. Just like DC did with their uh, Titans show and other things, including the Harley Quinn cartoon, which Kelly Cuoco was doing the voice for. Oh, God. I don't care care about missing that. Then I can't stand her. Oh. But, um. But so anyway, you're going to have to pay to see The Mandalorian, and I'm sure many people will. Can I just say how much I despise and loathe Disney? <laughs> and I'm like two, two and a half hours away from the damn theme park. Do you know how long it's been since I've stepped foot on the ground? A long time. I'm, I'm just, I'm like anti-Disney. But for My kids hate Disney, too, so I don't feel so bad. Yeah, they but they managed to buy everything. I know. I'm waiting for them to buy DC. I'm I'm waiting for that. If like in ten years, that's probably going to happen. Probably. Um, the other thing that happened this weekend that premiered, as I said, there was a couple of premieres this weekend, and the other was The Walking Dead season mm. nine. Yay. <laughs> No, I mean, I meant that in a good way. Ironic um, laughing. (laughs) That ironic cheer of yay. (laughs) No, let let me say real quick. Now, you were talking about Doctor Who and how it had a big, you know, response to the premiere. The Doctor Who people should be happy because their premiere actually got a higher viewership and ratings than The Walking Dead's premiere did. I thought the premiere of The Walking Dead was actually decent. I was, I have to be honest, I kind of lost excitement about it 
during, you know, the, t- the waiting time for it to come. Um, I didn't watch it on Sunday night. I didn't drop everything as I used to, to be like, oh, my God, I have to see what happened. I just watched it today, as a matter of fact, this morning. I enjoyed it. I thought it was very well done. I think the story, the shift of the story is going in a darker kind of of, of direction. I think a lot of, of twists and turns are going to take place. And I'm kind of excited to see how this season's going to play out. Well, and that's the thing that I, I've I've actually got, I get lucky and I get to see the first three episodes of the season. Mm-hmm. You're right. It's going in a dark place. Okay. Um, what I liked right. about it was the, <laughs> the one thing I didn't like was I thought that spoilers, <laughs> spoilers Cover your here. ears, although, people. Although just for a minute. Xander Berkeley kind of did a lot of this on his own with his Twitter feed, but um, I thought that the hanging of Gregory could have been done with more pomp and circumstance. It seemed sort of like not a big deal, or mm-hmm. this sort of happened. And um, but other than that, like I like, I like you know they're handling the time jump really well. Yeah. And I, I liked, I liked that there, you could tell there's something bad going to happen. Mm-hmm. Lots of bad things are happening. Um, now, I can't talk about the second and third episodes. I can't, right. unfortunately. But I will just say, yeah, there's dark things happening. And we know that because the whispers have already been announced that they're coming. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, things are, things are on their way to making a lot of people cry. So... Uh-huh. Well, yeah, if you've read the comic, then you know of what the whispers bring to our our group, and it's yeah, it's gonna be <sighs> bad things are gonna happen. Now I'm wondering because of the the lowered viewership, if this season going in a different direction story wise will gain the viewership back once people start hearing about. How it it's gone from like the soap opera ish type of thing to more gritty, you know, relationships are turning this way and that, and and you know, people aren't the loyalties are changing. I guess. Yeah, that's happening. <laughs> so, I mean, I would like to see people like give it another chance. I mean, like I said, I was one of the ones who who was starting to kind of like roll my eyes and be like, okay, because, I mean, the last season did kind didn't really do much for me. I I watched every episode, and some of them I'm just like, okay, I didn't want to be one of those people that are like, oh, well, this episode shit, you know, is shitty because of this <laughs> and that. But I, I'm just, yeah, I've got hope for this season that it'll, like, suck me back into being, like, the big fan of it that I was. Well, and that's the thing. I think it's going to, but it's going to do it in a way that's going to test a lot of people, I think, mm-hmm. as well. Um, uh, I, I'll tell you personally, I don't think they're going to kill Rick Grimes. I think that would be the biggest cluster of if they decided to do that i think it's just going to be something in the way that they're going to shift focus Mm -hmm. away from him right and now maggie on the other hand that might actually he might die i I, there might be death in maggie because we know she's leaving yeah um so 
it's it's just a matter of yeah i mean we know when the whispers show up they're brutal mm-hmm. they're brutal bastards i mean they kill a lot of people that we like right and I, I, the whole i i love ezekiel yeah. a lot and him and carol Oh, I love them together. They're Freaking so awesome. I love them so much. Now, here's where I'm. my dark brain goes when it comes okay. to The Walking Dead. Uh-oh. In the comics, Ezekiel gets his head chopped off. Right. And it sucks. Now, in the comics, Carol, um, when she is rebuffed in this weird... The, car- the Carol in the comic is way different than the Carol in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the comic, she allows herself to be killed by walkers when she's rebuffed by both Lori and Rick um, to for like a three-way. Go f- I, I, okay. I'm not making that up. That's exactly what happens. And she lets walkers eat her. Um, so my concern <laughs> is, I know I'm not making that up. That's exactly what happens. Um, my concern is that Ezekiel dies like he does in the comics mm-hmm. and that spurs Carol to kill herself. Ah. And if that happens, I'm done. I'm done. Yes, that will suck. I, I Carol's my woman. I love Carol. She's my favorite part of the show. And that would just be such a pitiful end to such a fantastic character's journey. Right. Um, the, uh, yeah. So I hope that doesn't happen. I think I'm it- actually with you there. Like, I'd rather see Maggie die. I I have a love hate thing with Maggie. I don't know. <laughs> she uh she gets on my nerves, but then she'll do something to kind of redeem herself in my eyes and then she gets annoying again. So I'm just like, eh, kill her off already. Well, uh, the other thing um I I think this season I, I I the the bad news for The Walking Dead even though it had ratings that most shows would dream of is that mm-hmm. it was basically cut in half mm-hmm. uh, with this premiere. I mean, it was, right. and just the amount of attention that it has gotten hasn't been as big as it normally is. Mm-hmm. Like the thing that I, I couldn't get over was entertainment weekly typically has it on its cover. Like yeah, when it, it when it's getting ready to come, like you would think October, Oh, walking dead on the cover. Mm-hmm. Supernatural was on the cover. Really? Yeah, Supernatural was on my issue. That came- actually, wait a minute, was that? No, that was TV Guide. They <laughs> haven't. No, no, they didn't put it on the cover though. Um, it was uh, Outlander. Oh wow! Yeah, that is weird because I've got like I don't they a the yeah like the one the one season where they did a cover with each main character. Yeah, I like went out and got all of them. I'm just like okay, so yeah, yeah that is. Did you notice that there's nothing? Yeah. Like, it, yeah. So that's not a good sign. Um, but I, I mean, I think that if people keep watching and this, I like the, the look of this season so far. I like mm-hmm. the direction it's going. Um, I like them having at least a little bit of happiness. Yeah. I loved the new, uh, the, the, uh, credit sequence 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that, that it looked a lot awesome. the comics. And I liked how all this time the, the, the logo had been deteriorating. And because of their prosperity, it turned green. Mm-hmm. I liked that whole thing. I thought that was neat. Um, but like I said, I... I don't think they're going to kill Rick. I think it's going to be a shift away. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's, I, I, I think there's going to definitely be some sort of surprise where the military kind of thing happen because right. something's up with with Janus, you know, her her that her whole thing, mm-hmm. um, with the the walkie talkie and all of that, and where she's right. taking people. Um, and we know the whispers are coming. And I'm curious to see how it plays out. I'm curious to see how Negan plays into all of this. Mm-hmm. He's so locked in his little cell being Negan. Woman. So yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm excited about it. The other thing, um, really quickly, uh, before we bring on our special guest is um I've gotten to do a couple of previews of a couple of shows um, and it's the 10th of October. So I can talk about the first one, Yay. Um, which is the new season of lore. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, um, I watched the first episode. The first episode is Burke and Har. So the true story of the, 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 uh, the resurrectionists, the one, the grave robbers back in oh, the day, okay. Burke and, and it has, um, uh, Doug Bradley as the guy who pays them for body parts. Nice. So that's fantastic. Uh, interestingly, though, they've changed the format. At least this first episode was different because Aaron Menke is not talking like he normally does. Because, you know, Lore came from a podcast where the guy mm-hmm. told stories and, and tales based on the stuff that happened in history. Right. And um, so. This first episode um, is is good, but jarringly different than the first season, okay. where you had like, these animated bits in between. They um, they talked. They had Aaron Minky actually talking, mm-hmm. so it was really different. I haven't watched the the last three. I think I have four episodes to watch, but it was yeah, that was a weirdly jarringly different season opener compared to the last season of lore so they definitely changed the format on it which is weird uh the uh, the other show that is going to be premiering i believe it comes on an, on halloween and that you guys should definitely be watching especially for those pining for um ash versus evil dead and sad that that's gone if you want to get your badass middle-aged man fix you need to be watching stand against evil yay and I've watched the first few episodes of the show uh, this season. It's the third season. And Dana Gould is, like, pulling out all the stops of like, getting every homage that he can get into it. Right on. Amazing. Um, the first uh, first couple of episodes, not only do you get the X-Files, you get the Night Stalker. So you have a, a oh, very wow. Car- Cold Jack-looking guy in a suit. Um you have, uh, like in one of the episodes, there's a kaiju battle, and it's Mothra. They even have the twins that um, that show up with Mothra, and it's hilarious. 
Um, there is a vampire episode that I haven't gotten to yet that McLovin is in, and that's what his name is. It's his, always going to be a McLovin. I don't care. <laughs> um, but that was great. Um, but yeah, what's fantastic about Stand Against Evil is that Dana Gould is this massive horror geek, mm-hmm. and he has he grew up watching the same stuff that we did. Like he's a huge Night Stalker buff nice. to the. To the point that when I met him at San Diego Comic-Con a couple years ago, he was wearing the seersucker jacket. Okay. Because he had to, he was dressed like Carl Koljak. He wanted to look, he, he was dressing oh, in homage. Awesome. So I loved it. It was, it was fun. And um, I love that show. You guys should be watching it. Really, if you're not, there's something wrong with you. Like they had um, Stephen Ogg from The Walking Dead be a pony last season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Jeffrey Combs was this fabulous sorcerer, and I hope he comes back. I hope they they bring Jeffrey Combs back. <laughs> he is so great. Um, so yeah, definitely check out Stand Against Evil. Um, so Barb, do you have anything that you wanted to talk about? Because I'm like hogging every all the oh. conversation right now. Yeah. Um, you- well, tonight is American Horror Story Night, and I have thoroughly enjoyed the season so far. Um, I'm, I'm, I was ecstatic with all the rubber man action in the, uh, last episode and Evan Peters and, and the guy that's playing, uh, the Antichrist. I can't think of his name offhand. Everybody likes him. Uh, he showed up. I, I've only seen, like, I guess it was the second, was it the second episode he showed up or the first? He, I think he was in the first one. He's been, I think he's been in every episode up until this point. See, I'm behind. Cause See, life. <laughs> you've got to catch up because there's some good moments. I think you'll be like, oh, hell yeah, okay. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> but it, it kind of tripped me out because I'm like, hey, the Antichrist kind of looks like Lestat from Interview with the Vampire. I'm down with that. Um, the only fucking thing I hate about it is that they brought back the witches from Coven. And along with them, they brought back Emma Roberts, who I can't stand <laughs> for anything on this earth. <laughs> somewhere, somewhere, Ryan Stacey's like, those bitches are talking about Emma. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love you, Ryan, but I have to. Um, <laughs> and then with the Sarah Paulson, she's playing the three characters in the season. I'm just like, okay, I've kind of already had my fill of her. Um, I read today that, you know, everybody's looking forward to seeing Jessica Lange return because she's amazing and everybody should love her. But she's only returning for one episode that I read. And Uh you'll never guess who's directing the episode. Sarah Paulson. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) So. Oh, and, and I have to mention, because I mentioned Emma Roberts, I also am not a fan of, I think her name is Leslie Grossman. I was not familiar with her um, prior to the cult season of American Horror Story, but she's in this one, and she's just as damn annoying as Emma and Sarah. So I don't know what the deal is with like the annoying characters, but they need to cut that shit out because we've got enough. I think they think it's campy. I, I guess so, but I mean, it's campier in in like little little 
portions, not like every episode and just like, hey, look at me, I'm Sarah Paulson, I'm in the camera. Hey, I'm dead. Oh, but look, I can back <laughs> the character. And it's just like, okay, I like I said, I'm sure she's the lovely woman in, in real life, but she tends to get on my nerves when I have to te- when I have to deal with her in big doses. So yeah, I, that's the only thing is I'm trying to figure out how do you justify all of these people looking alike? Yeah. You know, it, it's I, I get having your troop of actors, mm-hmm. but I don't. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. like I said, I'm enjoying the season just with the I had to bitch about those few things. But um yeah, Evan Peters. <laughs> in, in closing. And, in closing. and you know, Evan, rubber. Evan That's all I need, dude. I'm like, <laughs> Evan Peters and rubber. I could just watch him run around for like an hour in the rubber suit and be good. And everything with the world would be good. And I would be a happy barb. And yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, that reminds me of one thing that I wanted to ask you about. I should have brought this up earlier in the episode. But what did you think of Venom? Do you even need to ask? Oh my god. <laughs> I, my eyeballs did not leave the screen whatsoever. I, I wondered. I wondered. I loved it. I thought yes, it was fun. It was amazing. I, he he cracked me up. I um, love that. Oh. I'm like, jump, jump. No, I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then the lobster scene and even from like the opening scene where he's asleep and they like focus on that gorgeous face of his. And I'm just like, why can't I jump through the screen? (laughs) You poor thing. No, it was all it was complete porn for you that I I know that. Yeah, definitely. I thought it was fun. Uh, The only thing I had a problem, I had a couple of problems with it. And I'll I'll tell you what they were and see if you agree with them. All right. Uh, It felt choppy. And it felt too much like a, a by-the-numbers origin story in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Yeah. And, and the other thing that really bugged me um, was that, and this isn't the movie's fault, but is that the, that the finale was ruined in the trailer. I agree with that. I think it was as well. Um, I'm like, well, there's your, I mean, you can even tell. It's like, oh, well, there's your finale. Yeah. <laughs> That, yeah, so, I agree. I agree. I'm with you with the um, how it was kind of choppy, and I thought a few things kind of went on longer than they should have, um, like the motorcycle chase and like the yeah. little hokey comments that he'd throw in, like "Wow, that's awesome!" Hey, I'm just <laughs> like, okay, I'm like, that's just kind of as Deadpool would say, that's kind of lazy writing. <laughs> Because it was just kind of, you know, paint by numbers. Hey, let's have this really long freaking motorcycle chase. So, you know, it takes up, I don't know, five, ten minutes of story. Um, I, also, other- I, I I didn't really care for Michelle Williams that much. I've never been a, a you big... Weren't, you weren't I know. Her. It's because you weren't her, Barb. <laughs> just admit it. <laughs> she got to touch him and stuff. That wasn't fair. I hate you. I hate you, Michelle Williams. No, I don't really. <laughs> The thing that the the one thing though that that killed me though, and I and I'm like, okay, if you're doing Carnage next movie, mm-hmm. you have to make it R. Was he's biting people's heads off, and there's no goddamn blood, right? And I'm just like, wait, 
sweet. Come on. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Were there a lot of kids in the theater when you went to go watch it? Not a one. Really? Because there are like a lot in my theater. I'm just like, why are you all in here? I'm like, I know it's not rated R, but go away. No, I would. Barb needs alone time. I, you know, I should have just rented out the whole theater just for myself. <laughs> now, the thing that that bugged me was was I'm like, oh, this he's got tongue and fluids and stuff. Why can't we have just a yeah, little blow? Exactly. But um, so definitely though the the next movie. Because this one did well, and it's still number one, um, mm-hmm. at least until Halloween hits. Right. Um, is, you know, Woody Harrelson shows up, and he's going to be Carnage, and they drop that line, there's going to be Carnage. Um, and I'm sure there was a lot of people in the theater like, why is Woody Harrelson wearing that shitty wig? <laughs> was with the wig, Woody. Right. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was funny. That was distracting <laughs> to me. I'm like, just be bald. Hey, Shit. Just, you know, just, be just bald. go back to, like, the Mickey look. Yeah, yeah this, the this, wig was like I I cracked up and people around me were just like, "What is your What are you? What's wrong at? with you?" <laughs> I, I just was like, "Wait, oh, that's Woody Harrelson." Yeah, I could tell because he's wearing Ronald McDonald's <laughs> <Exactly>. hair. <laughs> but uh, they really do. I mean, they really need to to ratchet that up to to an R rating. I hope but, they do. And speaking of that kind, it was really quickly too. Um, have you heard? <laughs> You have you heard what Todd McFarlane is wanting the new Spawn movie to be like? No. He said, "I want kids to cry." Awesome. And I'm like, "I love you, Todd McFarlane." Yes. Son of a yes. I uh, please, please make children cry. Please, please make children cry with your movie. <laughs> I would sit there. I would pay people to bring their kids in just so they could watch the movie, so I could watch them cry. <laughs> that would be the price of admission alone. I'd just be like, yay, let me lick your tears, little child. Oh, oh my God, you're so wrong. <laughs> okay, so on that note, let's talk about 80s horror movies. So I'm going to go ahead and bring our, our very awesome uh, special guest to us here in just a moment. Well, thank you for joining us, sir. We are very happy to have you back. And I just, uh, thanks to Skype, I know that it has been like a year since you've talked to us. Yes, yeah. So, uh, how's how's your Halloween season this year? Halloween season's been great for um, for me, Barb. How's your Halloween season, other than the epic storm of doom? (laughs) (laughs) Um, mine has been yeah, it's been okay. It's not been as eventful as it has in past years, but that's okay. It'll pick up. Well, you, you you went to a really great haunted house in Canada, um, Mark. We're, talk about that a little bit, because I haven't been to a giant one in so long, and it sounded amazing. Uh, yes, the one I went to in Canada, in Edmonton, actually, is called Dedmonton House, and it's right here in Edmonton. And, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. I, I went for the first time. It's only in its, uh, I think, fourth full year. Uh, and I went for the first time last year. Uh, I just hadn't been able, because we'd been out of town, so I hadn't been able to catch it. But uh, last year was amazing. It was their last show at a big old uh, cinema that's downtown. Uh, and they really made uh, great use of the space. And this year they've moved into a uh, even larger venue uh, that's not too far from my house. So, uh, And they, they've also changed the theme and storyline completely. It's more of a quarantine uh, sort of uh, situation 
this year, some sort of viral outbreak. Uh, and it's very well done uh, and very good set design and whatnot. I'm quite proud to have a haunt of that quality in Edmonton. That's awesome. Nice. The one that, yeah, the, the last one that we went to, they took over a shopping mall. And I think I may have mentioned this to you. They didn't utilize it for zombies, the entire mall, which would have been fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah. a lost but- opportunity. <laughs> Last opportunity. Well, maybe they thought it would be just oh, that's a little too on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> but they in in individual stores, they changed each of them into a different theme. And the one that we did that was like an outbreak one, they somehow made it feel like we were getting on a van within the place. Yes, and the van, yeah, it was really cool. And, uh, and of course, I also uh, had the chance to go to Halloween Horror Nights uh, shortly <sighs> after opened in uh, the Hollywood uh, version shortly after it opened. And so did you get to go through did you get to go through the Stranger Things um, maze? Yeah. Yeah, I did uh, we did most of the mazes. Uh, Stranger Things and uh, Trick or Treat of course. Trick or, mm-hmm. Trick or Treat was my favorite just because it yes. exists. Just the fact that there was a Trick or Treat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh Sam. And oh. Uh, I do have to say that the Poltergeist house was particularly good. It was oh. uh, just in terms of all the movie beats that you remember, and uh, oh, cool! They even, that would be cool. They even had an animatronic, you know, the sort of uh, giant, stretchy skeleton ghost thing that actually materializes near the end. That's blocking. Mm-hmm. Way. Yeah, they they had yeah. a big animatronic of that, and we just sort of rounded the corner right into that. Oh, with, nice! With the wind machine and the really bright light and everything, and yeah, it was it was great. It was like being in the movie. Uh, the- things was fun too. Uh, although there was a lot of Demogorgon popping out, and it was a uh, an excellent costume, but I may have seen it a little too much because the initial parts of the haunt where you were just catching brief flashes of Demogorgon or where he was behind the walls and you know reaching out and stuff like that 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 was uh, a little more unnerving than uh, than the constant pop scares of uh, of Demogorgon near the end. But uh, that said, uh, it was as I say a really good costume. Um, what other houses were there? Oh, there was uh, the Halloween house, the Michael Myers house. That was fun. Oh, nice. Uh, and so, uh, fortunately, we went on a night that lines were very short. Uh, we went on a weeknight and uh, managed to get on the mummy ride sort of like twice. And we just walked right out and walked right back on. So, Oh, oh that's cool. Oh, man. I, I still I'm haven't jealous. gone. I still haven't gone to freaking Halloween Horror Nights in Universal. I need to do that before I croak. Um the one thing I was going to ask you was, did the clown in Poltergeist keep popping up in places? Like, did you see it just sitting there? Yes. The first, the first time you see it, uh, again, it might have been someone in a suit and they just chose not to uh, animate uh, because clearly everyone in the room was expecting it and then it didn't happen. So the next time <laughs> it showed up, it was, it was more effective, actually. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Yeah, there were lots of... There were lots of nice little touches like that. In the Halloween house, there was actually a nice little ref- a few nice little Easter egg references to Halloween 3, uh, Season of the Witch. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's like in the, in the trailer. I know the little kids are yeah. wearing the masks. I saw that. Oh, yeah. In the, in the new one, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, in the, uh, in the Haunted Attraction, there were several uh, references to it. There were uh, – actually, there were some jump scares with people wearing those that trio of masks. And there was also, uh, oh yeah, in one of the rooms, uh, the uh, Silver Shamrock ad was playing on the TV as you walk through. You know, it was some living room where Michael Myers had killed everyone, but the TV was still playing and that's what was on it. Oh, man. I really need to go. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
We need uh, to go. Jess. We need to make a trip or something happen. I know when you get out of the hell pit of Florida, we need yeah. to do it. Yeah, there was there was also uh, one room where you were actually like walking through the confrontation where Loomis has the gun on Michael. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. So basically, there's an actor with as Loomis who actually really looked like Donald Pleasance, and uh, oh, wow. he, has, he has the gun drawn on Michael who's standing, you know, in the doorway, and you're actually having to sort of like walk through between them as he's doing the dialogue, and yeah, it was it was quite a cool. Oh, that is wicked. Oh, my God. Well, so that kind of sets us up for our discussion tonight of 80s horror movies. The one thing, the one movie I I brought up um, not too long ago that a lot of people forget about that were in the werewolf thing that I really loved was in The Company of Wolves. Yes. That's the one where they actually, like, shed their human skin, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like like the werewolf sequence in Trick or Treat, which was, I thought was a nice homage to that, actually. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and not a lot of people bring that movie up. And it's like, no, it's so pretty. And it's so weird and surreal. And it kind of crosses the boundaries of fantasy and horror, too, which really well, I thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess, you know, ultimately, both that movie and Trick or Treat are actually both paying tribute to folklore. Right. So, Mark, I have to tell you, because I know you're a 10th Doctor fan, that uh, the the young boy that played Sam is a massive Doctor Who geek. Oh, really? And he actually wears his hair like David Tennant, and his dad is also a big Doctor Who geek, too. Nice. Very, very sweet kid. Although, Um, but, uh, I mean, how old is he now? He He must be a young man by now. He's like, he's getting close to like 15 years old. The last time I saw him was a couple of years ago at a horror hound convention. And I think he was probably around 13 or 14 then. Oh, really? Because, oh, wow. He must have been really little when he played Sam then. He was. He was like, probably like five or six years old. Oh, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, that was what was hilarious was we kind of bonded over our shared love of Doctor Who with that show. And everybody looked at us funny that was walking around like, what the hell are they talking about? But we knew we got it. Um, so one thing that you brought up that I really liked, and, and that's one thing that has to do with the documentary that um, that I'm helping try to get off the ground, um, is the influence of the culture of the 80s on some of those movies. And you brought up Day of the Dead, which I thought was one of, one of the ones that really had a message to it about the whole military versus science um, that was really coming to a head at that point at that time. Yeah, I think I think Romero, uh, before he passed, uh, had talked about how he thought that was his most overtly political one. And, yeah. Although, well, though they all are. Romero's all were. He was always trying to make a, a larger point with his zombie movies. Uh, but yeah, I, I certainly think that, I mean, that came out in what, 85, I think, which was, you know, kind of... Right smack in the middle. Yeah, right in the, you know, Ronald Reagan had just been reelected uh, for his second term. And uh, yeah, so it was, it was certainly a moment in and it was and before it was before uh the soviet union had fallen so like the cold war was kind of almost at its height at that point or at least at its height in the 80s uh because it, you know just a few years later uh the berlin wall would fall and the soviet union would crumble but at that point uh like the soviet union certainly seemed like uh, an impregnable force and uh and, you know, so everybody was was justifiably worried about nuclear war and uh, and the military uh, buildup and that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, I think that that 
that movie certainly spoke to that. Well, and the other one that um, I, I always think about too was we uh, that we bring up is Society by Brian Usna, which is just just disgusting and filled with practical effects. But it's also this big, uh, you know, allegory to you know rich haves and have nots and especially at the 80s where the hubris was so big you know um that's another movie that i i love talking about horror films that use the genre to tell uh you know like a a, a morality tell and well, that's go on oh, oh no i was gonna say you know that oh, it always goes back to rod serling for me with that and the twilight zone yes uh, I, I mean, uh, and not just specific films, like you could just say like the genre in general in the 80s, like the reason it boomed in the 80s was because it was a time when people were really worried about, again, existential stuff like nuclear war. And it was like a fairly uh, conservative time politically. And you see that like, you know, there was a horror boom in the 50s and, uh, you know, again, conservative times. You saw it again in the 80s. Uh, and it might just be a reaction to that, like, you know, people's anxieties need to be played out on screen so that you feel like you have a little more control over them. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, just, that's one thing that I'm very excited about uh, in this film to kind of tackle, like with AIDS and with, like you said, the cold war going on, it really allowed people to have an outlet and, and kind of popping off of that. The, I think that the eighties, the reason horror, we, we always go back to the 80s as like a place of, of some of the most unique and original horror, the stuff that sticks with us and keeps going. I think it happened at a time when we had this emergence of new technology with VHS, which sounds so stupid when I say it now. The new technology of, of, <laughs> of VHS. But it really did kind of come at a time when that started to really boom and people had access to that. They had access to cable more than they ever had. And um, we were able to, 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 to see it and view it in our own home. Yes. Well, I think the VHS uh, explosion, like I, I certainly saw a lot more horror than I would have. Uh, I lived in a small town. And so, you know, the nearest cinema was the next town over. And uh, beyond that, they didn't get a lot of horror movies. They got like some of the biggest, bigger ones, but they certainly didn't get obscure things and the things that the video store opened you up to. Because even though I was in a small town, every small town had its own video store stocked with both beta and VHS. Right. <laughs> We're not old. <laughs> thing. My parents had beta. They picked beta. Oh, oh no. man. I'm I mean, it was fine for, you know, because beta, you know, beta survived, uh, you know, a few years after I'd moved out of the house. So uh, that was, it was their problem then. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, so I, I actually, I believe that our video store had, Beta and VHS sections of roughly equal size. In fact, the beta section might have been a bit bigger. Uh, wow. A bit, bit more selection. And that meant that they had all these, and a very well-stocked uh, horror section. I have to give credit to Ace Video in Central Bubble. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I, yeah, I saw all kinds of obscure horror. And it was just as I was getting, like, super into horror. I'd always liked monsters and, you know, the classic Universal Monsters and Halloween and that sort of thing. But uh, the 80s is, of course, and it coincided with my age as well. But uh, it, that's the, the period when I really got into the more obscure and weird horror movies. 
So what was what was it like for you? Because even though we don't think of it as another country, and this is going to sound goofy, but I, I'm curious, what was it like in Canada um, going to like a, v, a VHS store? Like what was it? What would you find there more predominantly? Was it harder to find some of the uh, uh, like reanimator or something like that there? Uh, no, I mean, I, I saw reanimator on on a cassette that I rented from that store. Uh, I do, you know, I call recall hearing, you know, about certain movies that I just never saw show up on the shelves because I did read Fangoria uh, for mm-hmm. Star. Uh, Smart so, man. Yep. Yeah, and Gorzone. <laughs> I read Gorzone too. Nice. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, there were there were certain movies that it was just like, oh, wow, never, I, I've never seen that on the shelf. And like, I sometimes I'd be able to ask to to get it brought in specially or whatnot. But. Not- uh, but for the most part, I think it actually meant that we also got some, uh, you know, uh, more access, I guess, to stuff like old Hammer Horror. Oh, uh, because, yeah. uh, you know, they had plenty of, of the Hammer stuff on, uh, or what was available at the time, uh, available on VHS and Beta. Uh, and that's how I watched a lot of those. Although I also uh, was fortunate enough to uh, get the our cable feed from Detroit, uh, where <laughs> was a nice. station. Uh, I can't remember which network it was, but they, every uh, weekend they played something called scream theater. And it was essentially, you know, their local horror host and whatnot, except that they, they kind of cheaped out, uh, more than a lot of people did. And they didn't actually have a, an on camera host. It was just all voiceover with, <laughs> a, oh. <laughs> you know, with a cartoon of the, of, of a spooky castle and the, and the scream theater logo. But, you know, he introduced all the movies and, and whatnot. And so I, I saw a fair number of Hammer Horror and old Vincent Price stuff like that. Nice. So kind of uh, piggybacking off of that, um, the, the 80s had like a huge glut of like Italian giallo. And that was the rise of Dario Argento. So what I'm going to ask this of both of you. What was your favorite foreign horror movie um, in the 80s? Because oh. I, I mean, I love demons. I loved, you know, oh. Suspiria. That all of that. Give it all to me. But uh, I'm curious. Probably, I'd probably have to pick Zombie Two. Oh, nice one. Yeah, I go with you, Jess. I was gonna say um, demons and Suspiria. Um, those are the two I, I watched most often. Yeah, it I, was. I mean, if you go back and look, there was so many that came out in that time from Italy that we just, I was surprised. Like when I was looking at them up and like, oh my God, these all mm-hmm. came out like burial ground, the night of terror, which mm-hmm. so disturbing. <laughs> uh, was Cemetery Man was 90s, wasn't it? I think so. I think so. Yeah. yeah. It was right on the cusp, I think. I have to look that up. <laughs> See, I don't think I got into, like I said, I, I was young when I first got into horror, so I don't think I appreciated or even acknowledged uh, foreign horror until I was much older. But um, I remember demons specifically watching with my dad and just like never wanting to go to a movie theater <laughs> again. <laughs> I was just like, no, I'm like, I'm going to die if you take me there. So it, it kind of worked my, my fragile little brain at the time. <laughs> I saw I, at the last Horror Hound weekend I went to, I saw somebody dressed like the silver mask guy. Oh, that. nice. 
And I, it's, it's cool that I think ghost is actually picking up on, on that a lot in their yeah. act. Yeah. Uh, actually, what about, uh, uh, Werner Herzog's, uh, his version of Nosferatu? Or Nosferatu. I think that was seven. I think that was 79. Oh, okay. It was on the cusp the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think, I think it was because that's I, the one thing that I I'm, it, I didn't see it until the eighties. So. Yeah, and no, that was the thing. My my sister had the book to that. There was like a lot of of um, that actually was bigger than a lot of people remember when that was released because he was such a freaky looking. Klaus Kinski was just a creeper. Mm-hmm. Dude could play creepy really well. That's why I'm really excited about next year being like the 40th anniversary of a ton of all of these vampire films that came out that year. Right. Because that was the year Frank Langella came out. Um, mm-hmm. With his Dracula, and Love at First Bite came out that day that that year too. Yeah, The Hunger was a little later, wasn't it? Hunger was eighty three. Eighty three, yes. And that that's one of this kind of rolls right into my next question, which is, what's your because it's my favorite genre. Um, what's your favorite eighties vampire film? Hmm. Well, I mean, The Lost Boys is a classic, of course, but hmm. I was always more of a near dark guy. Yeah, yeah. Near dark. Oh, is- near dark is awesome. Yeah, and though Fright Night is also very, very highly ranked. Hmm. Oh, Fright Night. I, I, I oh, man, I can't pick because I'm a huge Lost Boys geek. Love mm-hmm. him, but God, man, Fright Night was so good. Just with the whole Roddy McDowell bringing him into it was right. so awesome to have that neat bridge between the classic and the, you know, the new. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the first really meta horror movies. Right. Oh, yeah. Where, where the protagonists are like, I watch vampire movies. I know what this is about. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And, and then I'm completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I mean, that's, I, again, uh, like I say, near dark is like my favorite. Like that was the first, uh, I believe the first Catherine Bigelow movie that I ever saw. Mm-hmm. And I oh, loved, yeah. Yeah. I loved ever since and uh you know it was it was right on the heels of me having seen uh aliens so Mm -hmm. having you know a fair chunk of the cast in this really helped i loved bill paxton severin uh lance henriksen of course is amazing as uh, jesse custer and yeah it was uh that that's a movie that i must have watched you know i i taped it off of tv off of uh super channel which was uh, (laughs) a a movie a paid movie uh, station here and I must have watched that VH. I watched that tape until it wore out, basically. Oh, man. No, I, that movie, um, I can't remember if it was uh, Bill Paxton was talking about it or Lance was talking about it. They wanted to do, like, uh, either a sequel or a book about was, their histories. I, I mean, I heard sequel. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 of course, subsequently was fortunate enough to work with Lance on the Mass Effect trilogy. Yes. And so, and I, of course, I had the in uh, when I was introduced to him uh, to just go, oh, hello, we've got to work together. And he was very, <laughs> and, and of course, I gushed about Near Dark and how much I loved it. And, and the thing is that Lance was really happy to gush about it as well. You could just tell it was a project they loved and it should have been so much bigger than it was. It was right. They, uh, he said, you know, they were sure it was going to be because they had such a great time doing it. And, and, it, and again, it's such an enjoyable, awesome, uh, fun movie mm-hmm. uh, about bloodthirsty vampires. Uh, 
and uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I'm not surprised that uh, they all wanted to do a sequel because I I love it, and I I would have I would have loved to have seen that sequel with like the the origin prequel for the gang of vampires oh my god oh, that yeah. would have been seeing lance hendrickson going around a battlefield oh. on the confederacy oh my god like yeah <laughs> um the thing that killed me though was when they did the blu-ray release and they twilighted up the cover no to this day i'm still angry about it <laughs> I have not seen what I assume is an abomination. I have not seen you. That. You would you would probably punch a wall, Mark. I'm not gonna lie. They made him look like Edward Cullen, and she looks like a human. And it's the yeah, I, it breaks my brain just thinking even about though, it. Right now. Even though it's the other way around, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't look a thing like Edward Cullen, but they made him all pale. With Ugh. I swear to God, oh, you mean Adrian Pastor? Yes, Adrian oh. Pastor was yeah. Oh um, my god! Don't well, look at my my favorite cover of you know, and one that I eventually bought on VHS uh, for Near Dark was the one of uh, Bill Paxton's character Severin, who's been like pulped right after he's been hit by the semi. <laughs> yes, I don't, I don't know if you've seen that version. It's just like a really gory cover. Oh, yeah, it's just him standing there. I think standing part there of smiling, what... and I think he's got like a cigarette sticking out of his mouth, and he's just been hit by a truck. <laughs> because <laughs> that's bill paxton yeah man uh if if somebody recorded it you'd probably get a kick out of this at the last show i did the um the super troopers panel and the guys from broken lizard were there and they were talking about working with him and they were talking about how he would get into that um coconut oh gosh was it coconut bill was that his name it, from um from uh club dread oh club and, dread yeah yeah, and so he was in character walking around with a, a a guitar strapped to his back in the middle of the night, and he walked up to him and he's like, "All right, guys, I'm gonna go to bed. I'm I'm gonna see you on the set in the morning, okay?" And he would be completely in character the whole time. And they heard him walking away, and all of a sudden, cursing and falling and and hitting the ground. And he walked back to him with a broken guitar on his back and said, man, get some PA to, to mark those stairs. God damn it. And he walked away. <laughs> and it's like, what the hell, man? It was hilarious. They, they were just grinning, talking about him. So I, I, I was lucky to get to meet him once. But, man, I, everybody loved him. And he was just fantastic. Um, I'm sorry. I, never, I never had the pleasure before he passed. Oh, he was, he was such a sweet, and what was great about him, I had a picture taken with him with my cell phone, and at the time I had a reanimator phone cover, and the guy that was taking the picture was holding it up, and, and Bill Paxton goes, that's Jeffrey Combs right there. I'm like, oh, he knows reanimator, this is so awesome. Yeah, that was, aw, he was so sweet. Um, so kind of going off of the comedy track, uh, my last question for both of you, and this is going to be a hard one. Comedy and horror kind of really came together in the 80s with Ghostbusters and even Fright Night. Um, just like uh, right on the cusp of it was Saturday the 14th and mm -hmm. Love at First Bite. I remember what? Saturday the 14th. I saw that in the theater. You saw that in the theater? I did, actually. Yeah. Oh, wow. How old were you? Because that came out in like, <laughs> like 1980, I think. So you had yeah, to be like so, five. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm an old fellow. Uh, I, so I would have been like nine years old, I think. Oh, my gosh. Eight or nine, yeah. Wow. My sister had the movie poster to that. 
with Richard Benjamin on it. And uh, but it's and it's by the way that is on uh, Amazon Prime right now. You can watch it. Um, but what were some that stood out for you in that time that kind of like really stuck with you? Other, I mean, everybody's going to say Ghostbusters and Beetlejuice, but um, what were some of them that really stood out for you? Uh, well, Ghostbusters and Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, wait, Hocus Pocus was nineties, wasn't it? Oh yeah, I think so. I think it was like 1990. Now I got to look, I just actually wrote the retrospective on that. I should know better. (laughs) (laughs) 1993. That came out the year high school. (laughs) Uh, so let's see. Uh, you know, I mean, Beetlejuice is, is a great example. Uh, that, you know, Tim Burton sensibilities, uh, do very well for blending horror and comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it, I mean, it just seemed like at that time, that's when everybody realized, oh yeah, we can have both, and it just makes it better. Because you saw it leaking into the supposedly serious stuff with Friday the 13th, and with Nightmare on Elm Street at that point, it just started kind of leaking in, and realizing how you can mesh those two genres and really make it more potent. It's true. And, uh, and, you know, that might have also been in response to the success of, uh, of Freddy, right? That, uh, you know, the, suddenly the silent stalkers, even though they're not wisecracking, suddenly you're seeing uh, some comedy get injected into them. Uh, but let's see what else. I mean, like we've, we've talked about Fright Night a bit. And Fright Night in many ways was a comedy. Like it had, it certainly had comedic elements to it. Uh, oh, well, that too. I mean, definitely is yeah. one of them. Oh, and, uh, uh, and yes, Evil Dead too, certainly, uh, especially in comparison to the original Evil Dead, which was just a straight up horror movie. Uh, Evil Dead 2 certainly has a sense of humor. Uh, and, uh, and in fact, that's kind of the, the entire point. Also, American Werewolf in London. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that's very sorry. funny stuff in American Werewolf in London. Uh, oh, and uh, one we haven't talked about at all yet, uh, though we did mention classic monsters, uh, The Monster Squad. Oh my God. Uh, Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> There's too damn many to keep track of. <laughs> I figured that out now. And, but and like, it, even like, uh, like some of the other ones we've mentioned tonight, like reanimator reanimator certainly has like, there's, it's like very bleak and dark comedy, but there's comedy in it. Oh yeah. No, I mean, he gets strangled by intestines. That's, yeah. but the and, other one too is the, the birds. Sorry. Oh, the, the Burbs, yes, the Burbs, of course, which is like more, much more overtly a comedy uh, than it is a horror movie, but it's it's great. Uh, what else? Oh, House, do you remember House? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, with yep. Me. yep. What else? Um, well, even like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, you know, when two oh, came out, that was one that two. yeah two was was certainly ranked up there among my favorite movies again because uh, suddenly Chop Top is. Uh, is a hilarious comedy character. Oh, Nubbins, Nubbins made me laugh. <laughs> Actually, it was more a pause reaction to Nubbins, but uh, <laughs> they were both, they were going for some laughs there. Well, uh, and there's, uh, Peter Jackson's uh, early stuff, like uh, uh, Bad, Bad Taste. Taste. And yeah. yeah, there's so there's quite a bit of horror and comedy crossover. Yeah, and it seems just like the 80s really kind of made that okay. Like that was the start of it being a thing and mm-hmm. um yeah, see it so much in the 70s it was like one or the other and then there were right. things like uh, what was the 
Actually, that might have been eighties too. The George Hamilton uh, vampire movie. Oh, seventy nine. That was seventy nine. Oh, love at first bite. Yeah, so that was you know an early front runner, and it's much more of a sort of cheesy uh, traditional comedy as opposed to a subversive horror comedy. But uh, yeah, it's 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 got its charms. What's funny is the crossover there with Richard Benjamin because I just realized, oh yeah, Tim Thomerson played the male and female character in Quark with him. That no one else remembers that show but me. <laughs> I'm afraid I don't. Which show is this? It's called Quark, and it was um, it was sort of like uh, Jason of Star Command, but it was uh, on at the same time on Saturday mornings on like it was a kid show on Saturdays on CBS, and it was Richard Benjamin, Tim Thomerson, and all of these weird space characters in this series. And you can find it on YouTube, I think. I'm going to have to because I've never heard of that one. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Tim no. Thomerson um, is like this character. I can't remember if his name's Glenn, Glenn and Glenda or something like that in that in that that frame. And he's feminine at some times and then manly in the others. And it's hilarious. <laughs> huh. Uh, oh, well, I just realized we'd be remiss uh, if we didn't mention uh, the Toxic Avenger. Oh yeah, yeah. We got to get Uncle Lloyd in there. Um, And then we did mention uh, trauma, of course. But now we got to specifically name drop Lloyd and (laughs) Toxie. Exactly. Now and then, like Night of the Demons is another one too, which Mm -hmm. is just Linnea Quigley being insane. Yeah, and just yeah, those all of those and and the and Larry Cohen, by God, the stuff. That's the other one that Mm -hmm. just yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was that, and that was you know very clearly satire as well. That was uh, oh yeah, like Romero, it was rather pointed satire. Exactly. Uh, no, but um, the other ones that came out at that time too. That was the rise of Full Moon Entertainment, mm-hmm. and they had their own stuff. Like um, I want to say, didn't Stuart Band? Didn't those guys do? Yeah, Rich, Richard Band and all those guys did Terror Vision. Yes, Terrorvision and all the Full Moon Entertainment movies that came out that in that time, all the direct-to-video uh, stuff. Was Killer Clowns from Outer Space '80s or was it early '90s? I think it, it was, was '80s. I think it was '80s. That's another the Kyoto Brothers. Yeah, the, those are the same guys that made Critters, which was another one. I know, yeah, again, there was it. In some ways, it was like it was more unusual for a horror movie not to have comedic elements. <laughs> exactly. Uh, like again, like a lot of the ones that we'd already talked about, they all incorporate at least you know some comedic elements to them. Uh, and then there were there were some that were just overtly a comedy that kind of you know they didn't they they weren't horror movies per se, like say uh, like Elvira's first movie, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, mm-hmm. where that was basically just a comedy vehicle for Elvira, and there happened to be like some creepy decor in it, and right <laughs> and Elvira, so. So that makes it a horror movie. Well, and, and then yeah. oh, go, go ahead. Oh, no. I was going to say another one. I think we've overlooked that just popped into my head was Gremlins. Gremlins. Oh yeah, because uh, it's it's kind of kind of a comedy horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, and, some people everything, everything that Grem like all the Gremlins imitators that it spawned. Some would right. call it the Gremlins imitator. Ghoulies, <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah, Ghoulies, <laughs> Troll, Elf. 
<laughs> well, and the other one too, um, there was one that was sticking in the back of my brain and now I'm, I'm blanking on it. Um, that was, oh God, there's too many. There's too freaking many that came out. You can't keep track of them all. There are so like, and you said like the early ones, like uh, Creep Show, or well, which mm-hmm. actually opens up another can of worms, which is anthology horror. And like, oh my gosh, that was that, the last time. The eighties was when we were seeing anthology horror, and then mm-hmm. it just completely went away. And you know, Trick or Treat tried to bring it back, and with any luck, we'll still get to see a Trick or Treat two at some point. That's yeah. Well, so. we are getting a Creep Show TV series mm-hmm. thanks to Greg Nicotero. This is He's true. Yeah. Um, Greg Nicotero for all he does. Exactly. That man is, is my hero. Um, but yeah, you, you were bringing up creep show. That's the one that was sticking out because I'm like, what was uh, Stephen King? Yes. Turning into a plant monster. <laughs> and then you <laughs> head off with a shotgun. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we went from really funny to, Oh, um, but, uh, me, the, the mortal line of meteor shit, um, that well, <laughs> if I ever meet him, that's what I'm going to have him sign. Because nice. <laughs> that's where my brain goes with Stephen King. It might King. be my favorite work of his, including all of his novels. It, it really is fantastic. Yeah. And, it, and everybody quotes that movie. All my friends at least know one line from Creepshow that they'll use, like, I need my cake or... Mm-hmm. It's my birthday! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Exactly. Well, and you brought up anthology horror. I, I was I was about ready to wrap it up, and then you brought up anthology horror, and I'm not going to even go there because there's so much that oh. came out that time. That's the year, the years of Tales from the Dark Side. Oh man, I miss that show. Um, there was so much, and it was like the last hurrah of that. You're, you're right. There's not yeah, enough. Uh, what about Cat's Eye? Of course. Cat's yep. Eye. Yep. Uh, Cat's Eye is fantastic. Oh, and that was um, the Tales from the Dark Side movie came out that time. Mm-hmm. And then we had Tales. That was when Tales from the Crypt came out Yep. on HBO. God love you. They tried to bring that back. And I don't know what happened with that because M. Night was going to do it. That's right. Yeah. And it kind of went away. And Well, like, we'll have Gordon Peele doing the Twilight Zone so we can be thankful. Exactly. This is true. This is true. And he's hosting it, too, which I think yeah. is great. Mm-hmm. That will be fun. Well, guys, thank you so much, Mark. This was so much fun. We would have to do a part two to this um, in order to like cover everything, even just that decade. If we go to the 90s, God help us. Oh. The, the 70s would destroy us all. <laughs> um, but this was so much fun. I love talking to people that, that love this stuff as much as me. And it is always a joy to talk to you, sir. It's been too long. You've been like a year Barb, it's never enough time with you. I'm so happy that you made it through the the wonderful death storm of 2018. Oh, I am too. It's starting back up too. So I'm like, I'm happy I got to spend this time with you guys because it might be the last time you hear from me. Don't say that. <laughs> we have well, to go. I, I hope uh, both you ladies have a uh, wonderful Halloween. Well, well thank, thank you. you. Same sir. to you. 